Dear Heavenly Father, thank you so much for this morning. Thanks for everybody that's here. Um, thanks for your word and for scripture and, and just for the way that you continue to, to bless us with your word, that we get to run to it um, every day and we get to hear from you um, personally um, and in a deep way. Uh, Holy Spirit, would you continue to um, help us to interpret your word and to understand the things that um, you're saying to us? And would we just be challenged this morning um, by what you, what you have for us uh, Yeah, in this gospel? So we love you, we thank you, and it's your name we pray. Amen. All right, hey, so if you do have your Bibles, go ahead and go to the book of Luke. The book of Luke, chapter 9. Book of Luke, chapter 9. Go ahead and, and swing over there. Now, Luke chapter 9 is a long chapter, and so we're going all the way to the end to verse 57. To verse 57. We're going all the way to verse 57. You guys there? Got it? Luke is the fourth gospel. Sorry, third gospel. I'm bad at this. It's the third gospel. <laughs> Don't know what I'm saying. And it's towards the back half of the Bible in the New Testament. So again, if you guys have an actual physical Bible, I want to encourage you guys, bring that every week. Um, bring that every week and just, yeah, this is good to have to take notes in, to write in, um, to make sure that, that you guys are... Um, following along. You have good things that you can remember, um, and it's in God's Word that we get to see God's character, and it's fun to take notes, and then we look back, and we can see what's happening. So, cool. All right, so let me tell you guys uh, a quick story, a quick story. Have you guys ever been told um, that something, like, you have somebody who wants to give something to you, right? Like, hey, I want to give you $10, or I want to give you this thing, or whatever. And you have that kind of sneaking suspicion of, like, what's the catch? Like, so, to give you guys an example, I had, I had a friend um, in school, and we were hanging out uh, at recess. So this was, like, third grade, all right? We're hanging out at recess, um, and he finds out on the playground, this is very important, as a third grader, I collected these things called Pokemon cards, <laughs> all right? So you can make fun of me all you want, all right? But I was all in. I was all in. I had the sleeves. I had holographic cards. I was all about that life, all right? This was very important. Now you know a little bit more about me, all right? So in the third grade, I collected Pokemon cards. Out on the playground, one of my friends in somewhere out in like the field, he found this, this Pokemon card. It was a holographic Charizard card. Some of you who know what that is, you're like, ooh. All right? And as a third grader, like, he showed it to me, and I was like, I can't believe that you found that. Like, that's insane. This is, like, this is the rarest thing. Like, I thought that we had struck gold or found oil. Like, I, this was amazing to me. All right? It was like, it was like he found a diamond in, like, the dirt somewhere. This was crazy. All right? And so he came up to me and he goes, Adam, I know that you needed, like, I know that you need this card. Like, I had, I probably had like 95 or 100 cards at that point. You're trying to collect, there was only 150 of them to collect, all right? 151. And so I was trying to collect all of them. And this Charizard card, which sounds like some type of different language to you who don't know what Pokemon is, it's like a weird animal thing. Um, but I would like, I have to collect this card, I need this thing. And he goes, Adam, 
I will give you this card. And I was like, this is the best day of my life. Like, my friend, whose name was Clifton, um, which is really funny. Uh, his, his name was Clifton. He was my best friend. Um, and he literally was like, I will give you this card. And I was like, are you kidding me? Like, are you serious right now? This is the best day of my life. This is better than when I learned how to ride my bike. This is amazing. And so this is better than my birthday party. This is going to be crazy. And so I'm like, it's almost, I'm almost like drooling. Like, I'm so excited. Like, I'm, I'm just like, I get to have this car. Like, and it looks beautiful. It's so, it's like in perfect condition. And he goes, I'll give it to you. But you have to give me your Blastoise card. Blastoise is a different card, right? I also had a Blastoise card, which was also holographic. He needed that one. So he was, it was like this, hey, I'll give this to you, but there's, there's a catch. Like, you need to give me something in return. You need to give me something in return. And, and this caught me so off guard. I was so excited. And then in that moment, I was like, dude, I, I, can't, give you, I can't give you that card. Because if I give you that card, then I'll have this one, but I still need that one. So like, can't, what can I... What if I did like 10 push-ups? Would you give me it then? Like, how, what if I went and did the monkey bars all at one time and didn't fall off? Like, would you give it to me then? And so I was trying to come up with all of these ways that he would give this card to me. And it worked out in the end that um, he kept it for himself. So, which hampered our friendship a little bit. But we got over it and it was fine. So I found one in a, in a booster pack a couple weeks later. It was fine. For those of you who don't know what that is, it's fine. You don't need to know. Um... Anyways, there are, so there are moments in our lives, right, where we, there is something that we want or, or there is something that we feel like we need. And in that, there is typically a cost. There is typically a cost where, like, if you go to the store and you want groceries, like, you can't just pick up, like, a bunch of bananas and put them in your cart and, like, all the cereal that you want and just, like, ride your cart out to your car. That's called stealing. Um, and you'll get arrested, so don't do that. All right? Like, you can't. You can't just walk into Target and, like, pick out all your favorite clothes that you think look good on you and just, like, walk out the door with them. That's, that's, you're a thief. Don't do that. All right? Um, like, you have to go to the register, right? And you have to pay a price for whatever the goods that you are receiving, whether it's clothes or food or a new game or a TV or whatever you're buying. Like, you have to pay for those things. All right? Here is... Um, the crazy part in our in our world, everything typically runs on a like a payment scale. Like we we know and we expect that we need to pay for stuff. All right, like it costs something to in order to to buy or, or purchase something. But there's this word in the Bible um, called grace, um, which is like we owed we owed something, right? We owed something to God because of our sin in our lives. And the thing that we owed technically was our lives because sin makes us dirty um, and unpresentable before a holy God who is righteous and good. Um, and so we have to pay a price in order to be able to stand in front of God. But the cool thing is that like not because of anything that I did or you did, Jesus came, which is he's God's son. Jesus came he died for our sins to pay the price that we owed. And in that, then we have the opportunity to become children of God and to be seen by God as, as righteous, as, as without blemish, like as, as spotless. And that's crazy. So because technically we owe God something. And the thing that we would owe him is our lives because 
the wages of sin is death. Boom. Whoever followed along with me, awesome. Uh, thank you. So, yeah, the wages of sin is death. But because of Christ and because of his love, we now have the ability to even, like, speak with God. We have the ability to, to talk with him. We, we've been given this, this access. Like, we, we know God in a deep, deep way, which is crazy. And so that cost has been paid. And so I don't want you guys to get that confused this morning. I'm trying to lay this out so that you guys don't get confused with, with what we're going to talk about this morning, which in a lot of your Bibles is called the, the cost of following Jesus or the cost of discipleship. I don't want you guys to get confused that grace is somehow earned or, or purchased by the things that you do. Um, however, what we are going to talk about this morning is that if you follow Jesus, if you have been rescued by him, like you say, I believe in who you are, there is, it is a, it is a different type of cost. All right? And I want you to see how it's, how it's a beautiful thing and not something that's like, hey, I did this for you, now give this to me. It's different than that. It's different than that. So we're going to start here um, in verse 57 of Luke chapter 9. This is Jesus has been teaching and healing people. He's been calling people to himself. We learned about that last week, how he called the disciples to himself. He said, hey, follow me. Come in, come and chase after me. Come and learn from me. Spend your time with me. Live, live with me and learn from me. All right. And so he's been going around and teaching, doing all these miracles. And like people at this point are like, like there's chatter. Like whenever Jesus comes into town, people are like, did you hear that Jesus guy is here? Did you hear, did you hear that he's here? Like he's around? Like did you know like Jesus is here? That's crazy. We should go and see him. Like it's almost, it's kind of like when, and this is a bad, anyways, it's kind of like, you know, whenever your favorite band goes on tour and like you look and you look at the list and you're like, oh, they're coming to like Cleveland. We can go. We can go and see them. That's going to be awesome. Like, and you're checking like the dates and, the, and you make a point. You're like, I want to go see them. Like, I've got to get, I've got to get tickets to that, right? So as Jesus is going around, it's like whenever people hear that he's in the proximity or in the, in the nearby area, people are like, did you hear that Jesus, like he's going to be teaching at the synagogue, like later, we should go together. Like, let's get tickets. There were no tickets, but it's like, we should go to that. And so there's this chat and people are like constantly, they're like something, there's something about this guy, the way that he teaches, the things that he's saying that just drew people in because he's teaching the gospel. He's teaching the good news about the kingdom. He's teaching truth. And so as he's going, people would come up to him and talk with him. And we're going we're gonna to see three people talk to him and come up to him just in this short section here, these like, these six verses. So I'm going to read this. I'll use the, I'll use the clicker to, to keep us going. So as they were going along the road, they're talking about Jesus and his disciples. Someone said to him, I will follow you wherever you go. So already somebody, like they're just on the way to wherever they're going. And, and this man comes up and he's like, Jesus, I've heard all these things. I will follow you wherever you go. I want to I wanna be part of, of your group. I want to be, I'm like, I want to be all in. Man, I want to be part of what you're doing. And here's what Jesus says. Foxes have holes and birds of the air have nests. But the son of man has nowhere to lay his head. Right? And does that seem like kind of an odd response to you? 
Like, I think at first it's like, he's like, I want to follow you. I want to, I want to be with you, right? Jesus turns around and he tells him, man, foxes have holes, holes. birds have nests. He's saying that things have, have the right place to go. But then he says, the son of man has nowhere to lay his head. And so Jesus here in just that one sentence is pushing back against one thing. And I want to say that it is our idea of safety and comfort. Here in America, in our culture, we have such a a strong pull in our lives towards everything that we do needs to be safe um, and we need to be comfortable while we do it, right? Like if the air conditioning went out in the room this morning, sorry, maybe I don't even know if we're running the heat this morning. It's cold outside. Um, if, If the temperature control went out and we showed up in here and it was just sweltering hot, I think a lot of us would be like, we'd probably leave here complaining to be like, to be honest, right? But in most places around the world, that's not the case. Like people meet for church and they meet to worship Jesus and it's like 105 degrees. Ask anybody who's been to Mexico um, on our Ichmal trip. Like it's, it's hot, but nobody walks away and is like, you know what? That was like a pretty cool church, but I'm probably not going to go back because their air conditioning was broken. Like, that's just, that's not how I want it to be. And so we have, we have such a strong pull that everything in our lives, like, we almost, we don't make a decision until we know exactly what's coming. Like, for some of us who have big decisions of like, man, I don't, I don't know if I want to, if I want to change schools or where I'm going to do for college or all of these things. Like, and so we have this kind of safety net of, well, if I'm playing on this basketball team, and I'm like riding the bench, but I'm almost starting, but I could play on this other team. I don't, I don't want to say yes to that unless I know I can be a starter or something like that along those lines of that kind of safety and comfort. There's like a, there's a safety net. We don't take risks a lot, which isn't always a bad thing, but in terms of following Jesus, we typically sometimes hold back or don't share our faith or don't speak to people about who Jesus is because of our fear of being ridiculed or, or having people say things about us or like, what's my, what's my social status going to look like? Like that safety net is not really there for that. Nobody can promise that you're not going to get made fun of or you're not, people aren't going to look at you weird. And so that's one thing that I think that we struggle against and that Jesus speaks, speaks to here in this passage. So here we go. Then in 59, he said, to another, he said, follow me. So now Jesus turns, and this is another guy who's there. And he, now, instead of the guy asking him, he turns to somebody else who's there, and he says, follow me. So the same thing that he said to Peter and, and, and James and John and the early disciples. Follow me. But the guy, the guy says this. Lord, let me first go and bury my father. All right, so this sounds like a legitimate request, right? It sounds like in this passage, like he's saying to us, it sounds like he's saying, hey, man, my dad passed away, like, and we're going to have a funeral, like, and, and I need to take care of that before I follow you. And to us, that, that still sounds kind of okay. But what he's really saying here, because in Jewish culture back in the day, Typically, what would happen is if somebody passed away, like they wouldn't be out and about. There's all of these rituals and all of these things that need to happen to make a dead body um, like 
that you can even be around it. And so there's all these rituals and all of these purification things that they would have to do that was very in-depth. And so if he really was dead, this guy probably wouldn't have even been out where Jesus was. And so what it sounds like is actually that this guy is waiting on his dad to die so that eventually he will get his inheritance or he will get all of his dad's money. It's kind of this like, well, my dad's going to eventually die and then I'll probably be, again, safe and secure because I'll have, I'll have his inheritance. I'll have his stuff. Does that sound like kind of familiar a little bit? Tell me if you've heard this. Man, I would love to follow Jesus, but I feel like that's probably for like when I'm older. Does that sound kind of familiar? Man, dude, I, I think Jesus is cool. Like, I'd love to be a Christian right now, but, like, I'm, I just kind of want to have fun first. Does that sound familiar to some of you guys? Because I, I think that's something that we hear a lot from our friends or from people who just aren't interested in, in following Jesus. It's this idea that, hey, you know what? I'm 12. I'm 13. Like, I'm just in middle school. Like, I've got, I, I've got a lot of math homework to do. I've got a lot of stuff going on. Like, once I finish college and I have, like, my career figured out, and once I have, like, a good savings account and I've got all my money figured out, like, once I have all that, then I'll follow Jesus. And I want to tell you guys that at that point, it's too late. Like, Jesus is saying here, like, it is, a, it is a, a, an ask of, hey, follow me. And there's not like a, hey, follow me, like, in a little bit. Or in a couple years. It is like, follow me now. Jesus says, leave the dead to bury their own dead. But as for you, go and proclaim the kingdom of God. So that's what he tells to this guy. He's like, hey, leave it. Like, don't worry. You're like, yes, this is going to happen. But let the dead bury their own dead. Go and proclaim the kingdom of God. This is a very much a now thing. Go and do this now. And then to another guy, yet to another, he said, or sorry, yet, yet another said, I will follow you, Lord, but let me first say farewell to those at my home. Again, not something that sounds like a crazy request. Like, hey, I'm going to follow you, but like, can I just go like tell my, my mom and dad real fast so they don't wonder where I am? And Jesus looks at him and says this, no one who puts his hand to the plow and looks back is fit for the kingdom of God. And you're like, whoa, Jesus, like, that's kind of like, can I just go and, and do some of these things? Like, can I just go and kind of take care of this? What we see in all three of these people is, one, a, a desire for their own safety and concern um, or their own well-being. That's the first and the second guy. And then even this third guy, he, Jesus says, no one puts his hand to the plow and looks back is fit for the kingdom of God. It's like, hey, if you're gonna if you're gonna follow Jesus, don't even like don't even question it. Don't like just do it. Like just like you like follow me. Like that's it. That's the command. Like that's the ask. There is no like hey do this this this. But and don't worry about what's behind you. But let's look forward to the building of the kingdom of God. He's talking about don't don't live your life in such a way that you're so concerned about your past that you can't move forward and live for Jesus. Here's the thing. I know a lot of you, maybe most of us in here, we have, we have scars, we have, we have things that have happened to us or that we've done in our past that are not good things. Whether they happened to us or whether we were the ones um, like doing them to somebody else. 
Like we have, I've made bad choices. You got like we all know at one point we were all sinners and enemies of God. Like we all were there. But Jesus says, regardless of what your past is, follow me now. Because all of those things, like, leave that in the past. Don't, don't think that because of something that you did a month ago or, or a year ago or five years ago, don't think that something that you've done a long time ago will keep you somehow from being rescued and saved by the love of Jesus. Because that's not true. Jesus, he rescues you not just in spite of your past, but he rescues you to show you who he is and how powerful and mighty and, and good that he is. He rescues you out of your sin, out of your old life, and he brings you into something new. And he's telling this guy, man, don't worry about the things that are behind you, but only focus on the things that are ahead. Press forward. I've called you today to follow me, so do that. There is, there's, this, there's a saying that um, it says the best, the best time to plant a tree is 50 years ago. The second best time to plant that tree is today. Like, don't wait. It is, it's this idea of like, man, even if you are where you are right now, like, man, I probably should have started following Jesus like when I was little. Or like, I should have started maybe like last year. Or I should have started six months ago. None of that matters now because all you have is today. To where today you have a chance to respond to Christ's call where he says, follow me, be my disciple, and also, don't look back. Don't think about yourself first. Following me looks like dying to yourself and building the kingdom, chasing after Christ. So this cost here that he's talking about is different than the one that I was talking about earlier of like, hey, if you give me this, I will give you this in return. There, that's not what he's talking about. This cost of following Jesus, once you realize, here's the, here's the best part about the gospel. Once you realize what Jesus has done for you and the price that he paid, which was his life, like he died for you, saying, all right, yeah, like, I'm not gonna worry about my comfort. I'm not gonna worry about my own safety first. I'm not going to do those things because all of a sudden I see what Jesus did for me when he didn't have to. And my only response, like the only thing that I could possibly do is give my life away for everything that he wants me to. Like so that he could use me so that he could call me to wherever he would want. That's the only logical response in my brain, like, and in my heart of man, Jesus paid everything. Like he gave his life away for me. And so what can I do? but give you everything that I have because it's already yours. You've purchased my life. You have, you have, you've rescued me and saved me. What can I do but give you everything that I have? Does that make sense? It's a different cost. Not in the sense that we use the word cost of like buying something, but there is a cost to follow Jesus in the sense of, if I say yes to Jesus and I say I want to follow him, I understand who he is, I want to give my life to him, then it's either you go all in or all out. Jesus talks about like, in, in actually in Revelation, we've been listening to Mike teach on, there's a, there's a passage that talks about being lukewarm. 
Like that there's somebody is neither hot nor cold. Like that they, they have no purpose. Like there's not like, I'll spit you out of my mouth if you're lukewarm. Like lukewarm water is gross. It has no, it serves no purpose. Either be one thing or the other. And so Jesus is calling us to that. Next, next section. I'm going to fly through these last two. as kind of an addition. Luke 14, 25. Flip over just a couple pages. And really pay attention to this. Because this is, a lot of us want to put Jesus into a box. And that's what Jesus encountered with these first three guys. That they want Jesus to be what they want him to be. And Jesus will not be tamed or put into your box or made safe. That's not how Jesus operates. Here we go, verse 25. Now great crowds accompanied him. And he turned and said to them, If anyone comes to me and does not hate his own father and mother and wife and children and brothers and sisters, yes, even his own life, he cannot be my disciple. Whoa. Time out, Jesus. What? That sounds crazy. It's not crazy. What Jesus is saying here, is that if you put any one of these people, your mother, your father, your family, the people that are even closest to you, that God has given you, that we can have good, intimate, deep relationships with, he says, if I am not number one, then you're doing it wrong. Even above your own life, to the point where we would be willing to follow in Jesus' footsteps. And he says in 27, whoever does not bear his own cross and come after me cannot be my disciple. Like that sounds crazy to these people. If you do not put me above even your closest friends, your family, like you need to chase Jesus with everything that you have. He says, for which of you desiring to build a tower does not first sit down and count the cost, whether he has enough to complete it. Otherwise, when he has laid a foundation and is not able to finish, all who see it begin to mock him, saying, this man began to build and was not able to finish. Or what king going out to encounter another king in war will not sit down first and deliberate whether he is able with 10,000 to meet him who comes against him with, or with 20,000? And if not, while the other is yet a great way off, he sends a delegation and asks for terms of peace. So therefore, any one of you who does not renounce all that he has cannot be my disciple. Jesus is saying all of the stuff that you own your, the things that you have, even the relationships that you have, all of it needs to be nothing in comparison to your love for Jesus. And that's what he calls us to. And he even says, like, you need to consider the cost. Following Jesus is not a get out of hell free card. It's not just, man, hell sounds kind of like a scary place and I really don't want to go there. So sure, Jesus. And then you live however you want. Like, that's not... Because that's, that's not even the Jesus of the Bible. Like Jesus is saying, follow me, and this is what it's going to cost. But then at the same time, in, in that cost, Jesus says, 
you will have life and life to the full. There is peace that goes beyond understanding. There is, there is joy. There are these good things. There is fruit of the Spirit that we experience that comes out of us, that changes the other, other people around us. Like, it is amazing. But it's a heavy cost. Last, last section. Bear with me here. This one's a little bit longer, but I'm going to read this to you guys. So Luke 18, 18. And a ruler asked him, he's talking to Jesus, good teacher, what must I do to inherit eternal life? And Jesus said to him, why do you call me good? No one is good except God alone. You know the commandments. Do not commit adultery, do not murder, do not steal, do not bear false witness, honor your father and mother. And he said, this, this ruler, he says, all these things I have kept from my youth. He's like, man, I, I did all those things. Yeah, sure, I did it. When Jesus heard this, he said to, them, said to him, one thing you still lack, sell all that you have and distribute it to the poor and you will have treasure in heaven and come, follow me. So he, he puts the same call on this guy, follow me. But when he heard these things, he became very sad, for he was extremely rich. He was devastated, because he's probably worked his whole life to try to accumulate wealth and money and stuff and things and everything that could keep him comfortable and safe and a house over his head, a bigger house, a bigger house, more stuff. Like, you know what's funny? We joke about people in the Old Testament, right? I was thinking about this last week. We joke about people in the Old Testament who literally made things out of like silver and gold um, and bowed down to them and made them idols and worshiped them as gods. And we're like, wow, that's dumb. Like, why would you bow down to this like piece of metal? That's stupid. Why would you give all of your time away to something that's like this big and it's made of like silver or gold um, and it like doesn't really do a whole lot? Like, why would, why would you give away all of your time to something that's made of metal or plastic or glass? Oh, wait. Whoops. I'm serious. Like, how much time, how much time do I spend scrolling, looking? Like, just like this is, if you guys are not careful, this is not inherently evil. It's a piece of, it's, it's glass and metal and plastic and it's nothing. Like it's a phone. That's it. But we make fun of them in the Old Testament for doing that. And then we don't realize that, uh, whoops, that's us. Like, how much time do we give away on this when we could be caring for the people around us, when we could be having conversations with other people? How many times do we give away hours of our day to this thing when we should be doing other things, getting things done, that we could be teaching the gospel, that we could be hanging out with our friends who need Jesus? How often do we do that? And I want to challenge you in that way. How much time do you give away when you do that? And, and you guys, I'm like, I'm talking to me first. That's why back, back in January, I gave this thing up because I knew there was something in my heart that knew that I, I, I clung to this for my like entertainment, for safety, for comfort, for all of these things. And I'm like, that, it's got to go. Like it, I have to get rid of it for now because it's, it has more of my affection than what I'm giving to Jesus. And I've got to, I just had to get rid of it. Like it's got to be gone. And this guy here in this passage, very similar because he has everything that he could ever want. We have access to everything we could ever want really through this. Like, and I'm serious, like 
you can just download the Amazon app. And so like through this, you can buy toilet paper. You can get whatever you want delivered to your house. You don't have to go anywhere. It's just there. Like it's crazy. And again, it's not inherently evil. I'm not saying phones and Amazon are bad. All right? It is where your heart is. And that's what Jesus is calling us to in these couple of passages. It is, hey, if you are following me, if you say, if you would raise your hand and say, I'm a believer, I want you to look back at this last week and what in your life that you have done would point other people to the fact that you follow Jesus. That's a legitimate question. And think on that. And here's the thing. All through scripture, if you guys read the rest of Luke and all through these things, you will continue to see Jesus to call people to follow him. But he continues to lay out that there is a cost. I'm not saying that if you haven't read your Bible or if you haven't talked to somebody about Jesus in the last week or two weeks or month or whatever, that somehow you are like out of the club. That's not how it works. Because there's grace for you every single morning. And Jesus just simply, every day that you wake up, he says, follow me. Chase after me. Be a disciple. Be a disciple maker. Do the things that I've commanded you to. And so I want to challenge you guys to think, even now, what are the things in my life that I'm reluctant to give away for Jesus? Maybe, maybe it's a friendship. Maybe it's a relationship. Maybe it's your stuff. Maybe it's this. Maybe it's your Xbox. Maybe it's your PlayStation. Maybe it's whatever. And here's the thing. <laughs> you can't give up your homework, all right? That's one thing. Like, you have to do that, all right? Because we still have to be responsible. But here's one, one answer that I had this last week that, that stuck with me. I, I, asked, I asked a student and I said, hey, what, um, what keeps you from following Jesus? Um, and they said, my homework. All right? They said, my homework. And, and here's the thing. Even in your homework or even in school, like most of you guys legitimately do not have a choice. Like your parents will take you or you go, you get on the bus. Like it's a law. Like it's the, that you have to do that. All right? But it is how you then live your life in front of everybody else when you're in your classrooms, in the hallways, on your team, or even doing your homework. What's your attitude like when you're doing those things? Like is it honoring to God? Do everything as if working for the Lord and not for man. Jesus tells us that in his word. Like everything that we do can be worship. Everything that we do can be something that points back to who he is and what he's done for us. That's crazy to think about. Doing your math homework is you could literally do your math homework for Jesus. Is that crazy? You're like, I don't know about that, Adam. I'm not even good at math. Like, I don't know if Jesus wants my math homework because I'm really bad at it. But I'm serious that everything that you do, everything that you do centers around your response to Jesus and what he's done for you. And I just want to leave you guys kind of hanging there this morning with that idea of, of what is the thing that if, if Jesus said, follow me and give up this, what would, would you walk away saddened? 
because you knew that that thing, like that you loved that thing so much that you would not be able to give it away. What is that thing for you? 